What is up, designers? And welcome back to the Grand Design Podcast. The podcast is all about taking the ideas inside of your head and materializing them in the world in the form of mass movements. Um, I'm usually loud and rambunctious on these types of podcasts, but uh, Alexis is in another room. She's sleeping, and so uh, it's not late or anything. It's about 9.50, but she's asleep, and I don't want to wake her up. And so I'm going to be whispering throughout this podcast, and I hope you hear me. Um, this podcast episode today is going to all be, you know, going to be about why it, it why it is that you aren't able to sell people on your movement. Why it is that you aren't able to sell people on joining your culture, whether that be becoming customers of your business, joining your club. Or joining your actual movement, if it's just a movement at its core, which all those other things are movements, but I mean movement without a without a particular vehicle. Why it is that you're unable to sell people on that movement, on that idea, okay? And um, I think this is a very, very powerful episode that we're going to dive deep into because a lot of it has, it really has everything to do with structuring your ideas, in a way that speaks to the right part of the brain. Not the right as in directional right, but right as in the correct part of the brain. And you might you might have trouble inducting people, whether that be making people become customers or whatever else it is, or making people join your club. Um, because you're structuring your ideas in a way that doesn't appeal to the correct part of their brain. And uh, this is something that you've probably experienced lifelong. You know, I always say this on this podcast. Can you relate to this? You're young. Maybe you're not young. Who knows what age it might happen to you at. But you have this idea that, like I said, if true, means such a difference in society. Such a difference in your personal life and the lives of those around you. And so you get all hot all over, prickly all over. Can you get excited? And you go and try to, you're like, man, I got to tell somebody about this. I got to get this off my chest because this is amazing. And you run out of your room or you run into your house to tell everybody about it. And you tell one person after the next, your sister, maybe your brother, you know, your cousin, your mother, your father, your grandmother. And one after the other, they fail to understand the the magic of what it is you're trying to tell them. They're just like, oh, okay, that's cool. But they don't really feel it like you feel it. They don't really consider it like you consider it. It doesn't change their life or make them excited or make them run and tell everybody who burned in the world. And why is it that that feeling that you feel, you know, because your ideas are amazing, it isn't landing inside of them? I want to elaborate my point on this through a similar experience that I've had. Um... It all, for me, relates back to business because that's the real self-care. Business is where you refine yourself, where you learn things that regular everyday life or everyday professions really won't teach you. Is that the depths of these experiences that you really come to a different understanding than most people ever will. And that's why we're designers at the end of the day. I remember, man, a college dropout with a zero GPA, literal zero GPA dropped out of college. And so in 2017, I remember going to try to save face, more or less, no job out of college. And I'm like, man, 
I have to start a business because that's what I want to do. Um, and so in 2017, as we all know, I started the Be Buddy system. And that lasts from April to, no, January that year, 2017 to April. And then I go on to make a course. Uh, and that was September of that year. Then I go on to try to do free plus shipping offer, you know, uh, in my funnels. I was selling a flash drive full of information. Um, and none of these ideas are working. I'm struggling with bringing all these ideas to to reality, you know, because at the end of the day, what was plaguing me the most is there was just no interaction with my business. There, there was, you know, there was no interaction whatsoever. And, um, man, that's something that was a long, painful experience because of everything that was going on in my life at the time. You know, I wanted people to come into this movement of mine. I had a new idea and I wanted people to see the light of this idea the same way that I saw it. I wanted them to feel like I felt the beauty of it. You know, I wanted them to see the vision the way I saw it. How is it that we communicate these visions that we have? And I obsessed over that and failed over that for two years straight, bumping my head into the wall over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. You know, that's the important things about selling and why you have to sell people. Because the moment you sell somebody, not only did you give them a product, but you gave them a new idea. When you sell somebody, it's a change in identity. You've created a person that believes that they can accomplish something with the assistance of your product. When somebody buys from you, that's they're basically confirming that I have hope that this product will allow me to get this result that I couldn't get before. It's, a, it's essentially when you succeed at going to your family and communicating that vision that you had and making the money. It's essentially if you went and told them and they got excited about it the way you did. And I was having trouble with that. And I really didn't understand why. You know, I remember going so, 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 so hard to induct people into this movement. I had this culture, this business, this idea. I remember every single day, man. I would make a video ad, not every single day, but a lot of days I would make a video ad and I would send it out on Facebook. And um, I would send it like straight to a product or straight to an offer, whatever, you know, whatever I wanted them to buy from me, you know. And I remember being like a super technician, like super, super dude, like, man, I would literally make things that were impossibly beautiful. So much so to the point where to this very day, I don't understand why people didn't buy these things. Like I would structure my offers and deals in ways that were just irresistible, completely irresistible. Or so I thought. And I would put them on a web page and I would run an ad to the offer. And um, no one would ever buy for some reason, which was a frustrating experience because... This is accounting for a year, span of a few years. And uh, a lot of the time in this span of a few years, like there is a lot of tension around me in my household with the people around me. You know, society, when you're a designer, when you have ideas in your mind, a lot of society wants to stamp out those ideas, to be honest. It's a malicious thing almost. They want you to be normal. They want you to stand in line. They want you to do regular things like everybody else. And when you you refuse, it's almost like you're disrespecting their point of view on the world, their worldview. And so 
lot of these times I didn't really have a good time where I was living. It was a lot of feuding, a lot of going back and forth, a lot of trying to convince me to do something else. Friends, family, partners. It, it was, it was, you know, to be honest, it was, it was a mess on a lot of those fronts. You know, not really relationship, but everywhere else, it was, it was, it was pretty much a war. And when I left that war, it was only to a lot of the times go to work, which I would have to wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning, 3:30 a.m. in the morning, just to get there. And I'd hurry there and hustle through the cold weather, through the rain, um, so many different obstacles. You know, just to work for minimum wage and be miserable because it was something I wasn't passionate about. And so I wanted to escape that place. I wanted to escape home. And uh, I had these things that I loved about the world, too. Like, you know, I wanted to move into an apartment, a particular apartment. Um, I live in Maryland or I lived in Maryland um, and I lived in Parkville. But right around the corner, there was this district called um, Towson. It's like a little mini city. It was, it was a nice little thing. And there was this beautiful apartment complex uh, over there called the Promenade. And man, the Promenade, I loved it because it had like first apartment that I seen that freaking had like a shower right next to a bath like a stand-up glass shower with a rainfall head marble backdrop right next to glass glass sliding door right next to a deep beautiful bath you know with the same backdrop and everything it was it was it was a gorgeous place you look out the window had a view of the city I would imagine just spending days if I were able to get the money from inducting people in this culture and changing their lives and, you know, selling this offer that I created that this beautiful offer, by the way, like if I were to just sit in there one summer night, crack the window and just sit out on a balcony, it probably would have meant the world. It would change my personal life and to bring my girlfriend into that life, too. That was just that would have been insanity. And that's something I wanted. And so I'm crafting these offers over and over and over and over again. And I would run a hundred dollars of ads and go to sleep and wake up in the morning and get no results. I'm like, how do I communicate the idea of what it is that I'm trying to sell to these people that I'm trying to sell? And it's something that puzzled me and it hurt my heart very badly because it's no reason they shouldn't have been taking the offer. It was amazing. Just like these ideas you try to tell your fans and family, you know, and because of the struggle that I was going through, making minimum wage and not really having anything to myself and sitting on a twin bed in a room that was smaller than, you know. I don't even know, man. It was it was just, you know, when it would rain in my room, the for the window frame would leak on my head. It was dirty water. It was it wasn't really the best time in the world. It was it was pretty rough. And also at the time I was hiding from my parents because I didn't want to talk. So I'd stay in my room all night and all day and just be hungry. It was it sucked. And uh so I kept going back to the drawing board. What I would do is I would run an ad and when my offer didn't work, I would look, you know, and look at these other people on, on the internet, these gurus or whatever. I would look up all the resources that I had about why this didn't work, and I would change it a little bit. You know, I looked at, I told a little bit of social media marketing course. I, had, I was listening to the Marketing Secrets podcast. I was reading Dotcom Secrets and Expert Secrets. And I would always like try something and then tweak it just a little bit, try something, tweak it a little bit. And for a year straight, two years straight, it didn't work. I was sitting there burning so much cash and burning so much time, and burning so much energy, and burning so much bridges with some family by denying them, uh, denying stepping back into normal society, which is something that they didn't like. And I was in a dog fight and I had to get out of it. It was at the point where I was, I was, because I was bewildered because I would offer free things and people wouldn't take it. Like my idea is literally free. All you got to do is give me your email address. You don't even have to pay anything. 
And the majority of people that saw my ad and clicked over to my landing page just didn't take it. Can you imagine like how infuriating that was? Like the level, the limits of frustration some of those days when I wake up and nothing would happen. And there would be a big fat zero on my ClickFunnels screen where my payment would have should have been. Man, literally made my heart drop and heartbreak over and over and over and over and over again. You know, and I remember just trying to find technique after technique after technique, you know, until I, um, one day I was going through the dot com, you know, uh, I was listening to, I don't remember where I discovered this, but I believe I was going through the expert secrets book or sort of dot com secrets book or something when I stumbled upon the concept of a webinar. And a webinar was, you know, essentially what I had been trying already, you know, except in a different format. Um, it was a free training video on all of the stuff that I knew. It was completely free. All they have to do is sign up. And I'm like, okay, who wouldn't want this? This is basically, because there was a point in time where I was trying to sell courses, you know, and I would give them like a free download and then I would try to sell them on a course. So this was like basically me giving like a preview of the course for absolutely free. And I'm like, who wouldn't jump at the opportunity to have essentially a piece of my best knowledge, my best information, which at the time I knew none, ironically, and I still don't really for absolutely free. And so I'm like, okay, and, and the concept behind it is flawless. The concept behind this webinar is flawless. It's like, you know, in my mind at the time, people buy because they're familiar with you. And what makes people familiar with you is time. That's what I'm thinking. Like, I'm, I don't know. Like, it's just something I thought. Then think about it. I always say this. Um, Think about it. if a stranger came up to you on the streets and tried to sell you on giving them $100, you'd probably say no. You haven't known them for very long. But if your mother asks you, you've known her all your life, of course you would say yes. You know, that was my idea. So a webinar, what it did in my personal perspective at the time was it took, t- you know, it, it made people spend time with you. And it gave them so much value that they had no choice but to buy. And so I decided right then, if I have a vision that I want people to partake in, you know, I'm going to draw them into this webinar, which is absolutely free. There's no reason they should deny it. Make them spend time with me. And suddenly, because they are more familiar with me, they'll be inducted into this vision. I'll have them at long last. And so I remember, man, uh, at this time when I first started experimenting with webinars, um, I believe it was the summer of 2018. I'm not completely, you know, accurate on that. It's, it's very, very memory. But I was working at the Target, the local Target on my way. And most days I wake up. And go to the Target at 4, 3.30 a.m. in the morning. I'd run there through the, like I said, through the cold and the rain. And I would get there. And I was so miserable with that place, man. I tell you, like, I would sleep by the ATM on my breaks for 15 minutes. And I would take, I would go to, I was so tired on that period. I would go to sleep twice. Like, I would take the break at, like, what, 6 in the morning, 6 a.m. still dark. The lights in the store were off. And I would nap for, like, 7 minutes. And then I would wake up for, like, 30 seconds and then nap for another, like, 7, 8, 9 minutes. And then go back to my shift late. That's how tired I was working in that place. It was it was, it was a miserable experience, man. Um, <laughs> but uh, working in the dark was kind of, you know, interesting. But, um, you know, uh, where, where was I going with that thought? Yeah, yeah, I would work about five days a week. That's where I was going with it. I work five days a week, sometimes three, sometimes four. You know, it would vary because it's a low-paying job. It doesn't really have any, like, set schedule or anything like that. But uh, certain days of the week, I would have off. And where I would be tired and not have enough time on those days of the week where I went to work, on the days that I had the week, I would remember, 
days of the week where I didn't have work. I remember talking to my girlfriend, like, and as soon as 12 o'clock rolled around, and because of the tension between me and my family during some of these periods of time, like, I wouldn't want them to hear me recording a video because I felt like they'd make fun of me and call me like a charlatan and things like that. And so I remember distinctly on these days that I had off, every single day I had off, I wait until 12 a.m. at night because my friends went up to, to bed at 12 a.m. And I'll be talking to my girlfriend on the phone. I'd be like, okay, baby, you can go to sleep now. I'm going to go record a webinar. And I remember going downstairs day after day after day after day. Uh, even so on the first day, I remember more so on the first day, I want to talk to you about I went there and there at 12 a.m. And I remember, you know, doing a webinar. I took all my best information and just shoved it into, like, a training video, you know. Um, I remember recording over and over and over and over and over again just to get it perfect and just to get the best, most helpful piece of information that I could out of my head and into the world. You know, it was, it was, man, it was a beauty. It was a masterpiece, something that I think... I, you know, I gave them what I felt like I should, I would have sold for a thousand dollars. That's what I gave them, and I remember being so excited about it. Like, okay, this is you know, I'm giving them this for free. You know, uh, this 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 is gonna blow people away. And I remember running an ad to that webinar, setting up the webinar for them that exact same night because I couldn't contain my excitement. Running an ad for a hundred dollars to it. I woke up in the morning and nothing happened, and I'm like, hmm. Something must be wrong with the way I'm running this webinar. Okay, it's, it's, it's a minor thing. I can fix it. And night after night after night after night, like literally I would stay in the basement from 12 a.m. until it started to get light blue outside and the birds started chirping and the morning was coming around. And I did that so many nights in a row just trying to perfect these webinars. Those webinars I was giving to people because I'd send people in. People would see the webinar screen. And sometimes they wouldn't register. But the ones that did register, they never bought well, they, you know, what I offered at the end of the webinar, which, which ironically was more of what I already told them. And I really didn't understand why. Um, and so I went back to the drawing board as I usually did. You know, I went to the podcast and I was like, I searched up every single podcast that Russell Brunson had about freaking webinars. I'm like, I'm going to make this webinar work. I'm going to fight. Because ironically, that's why I got into marketing. Because I always had these like, ideas that I felt were life-changing. But I never felt like I could explain them in a way that would actually impact people. And so my brother who's going to prison or my brother who's going to college and he's miserable body wants to do other things i can't give them the epiphanies that i'm having that could potentially change their life and i feel like almost at times like there was a brick wall between me and my family or me and somebody else and it always hurt and so i was like you know i'm going to learn this skill i'm going to learn how to do this i'm going to learn how to use story to or, or use these webinars to to break through this wall and so i was searching up every information all, all the information i could about webinars and i remember coming across this one podcast i don't remember what it's about but it, it was about webinars, obviously. But I don't remember the, most of the information in the podcast. But one thing that will always cling in memory was the moment I was listening to Wes Russell Brunson teach about webinars. It might have been a video even. Who even knows at this point? And he said, the one most common mistake that people make when they're building webinars is that they start the webinar and then they instantly go through the first part of the webinar, their origin story. And then we get to the secrets of the webinar. Because that's the structure of a webinar. They go to teach. And what he said, he said, teaching, you should never teach anything in a webinar. Because teaching kills the sale. I had been teaching in a webinar the entire time. So, like, my face kind of got hot. Like, I felt a little bit embarrassed. Like, it, but, you know, even at the same time, in my defense, it didn't really make much sense. Why would you not teach why would you not give actual value? 
So I continued to listen to the webinar. And he said, I mean, listen to his podcast or his video, whatever it was about the webinar. And he said, the pr- entire purpose of a webinar is to bring people, you know, knock down the one false belief that they're holding in their head. You know, that's stopping them from reaching the epiphany that you had that got you invested into a new opportunity. And he said the way that that's accomplished in a webinar is through telling stories. That might not mean anything to you right now, but at that point in time, I don't know why, but it kind of just clicked. I kind of sat there with my mouth open, just kind of staring because mm-hmm. like, it made so much sense. He said, think of how you got into the opportunity, whatever it might be that you're pursuing now. It wasn't through a story. It wasn't through, it wasn't through teaching. It wasn't through logical information. It was through a story. And I remember looking back on my entire life, every opportunity that I've ever invested in, you know, and it was ultimately a story, a journey, a pursuit that had got me there in the first place. I want to explain a little bit about that, but I want to even, you know, I remember, you know, because this is what we do. We learn things and we get all brainy and when we go to explain to friends and family these visions that we're having, we try to teach them about it. We feel like, in, you know, educating them on it is what's going to make them jump for joy. It's going to make them want to partake. And I was guilty of that. I remember when I used to be a wrestler, man, I used to blabber my mouth to everybody around me about how amazing of a thing wrestling was. And I would tell them things like techniques and, you know, what it, you know, logically, like how it works in a street fight. That most of the champions in the UFC were wrestlers and all these amazing facts about wrestling. And no one ever seemed to get excited. And um, there were two people in my life that had eventually ended up partaking in wrestling. And remember, mind you, this is all in hindsight when I'm thinking about this. And so I started to break down what is the reason that they got into wrestling. My personal story with how I got into wrestling even didn't even begin at the beginning when I joined wrestling team, I could have gone either way. I could have quit or I could have been a wrestler. It didn't matter to me. All I had was curiosity. All I had was facts and figures. And I was just kind of experimenting with the whole thing. The first year flew by and I really didn't think anything of it. It wasn't until the end of the second year where I became a wrestler. When I was standing under the hot light in the middle of a crowded gymnasium that fell into dead silence while I'm facing this guy that's undefeated on the season in the county JV County Finals. And it's six seconds left on the clock. This dude's an absolute monster. And somehow I come out with a victory. And the crowds are going absolutely bananas. Like bizarre, shining, screaming. And it's exciting. The energy in the room is irreplicable. And I'm feeling the love that I lacked in every other venue of my life at the time. Given to me and delivered to me in this moment. That's when I became a wrestler. And the, coincidentally, the people who had also became wrestlers my brother and my friend were inducted into wrestling really through the stories that I would tell them about wrestling. It wasn't that I told them all the facts and the figures. It was that I told them a story about it. But how does that work? You know, um, 
there are two parts of the brain, man. There are two parts of the brain. There's the logical upper brain. Well, there are three parts, but there's the logical upper brain, the neocortex and all that. And then there's the, the, the reptilian brain, you know, the fight or flight brain, the reward. You know, there's a, the lesser brain that facilitates, you know, the things that you feel, the, the more primitive emotional things. It's not necessarily dealing with logical and complex thought. It's like fight or flight, you know, punishment, reward, you know, which the modern form of reward that we pursue most, ironically, is status. There's the emotional brain and there's the logical brain. And here's what most people don't realize. Sales, and it's something that Russell Brunson said, we're returning to the podcast a little bit with this. He said, sales are created through emotion and not logic. Right? And the facilitators of emotion, the way we deliver emotion to people in society is through story. It's through storytelling. A lot of people think we make logical decisions about everything around us. But the truth of the matter is this. We feel an emotion delivered to us to us delivered to us through a story that we experience and we attach justification to it in the form of logic. We feel something deep down and then our surface identity creates reasons for it so that we can explain it with words. That's the truth to the matter that no one really gets. I started to think back on my life here in this podcast and I'm like, man, that, that that's insanity. But then I thought, man, because I used to be religious. I'm not religious anymore. When I was younger, I was a hard, I was a very hardcore Christian. When I, when I was in my tens and a little bit, you know, I stopped being religious in seventh grade. But before that, um, super hardcore Christian, man. And um, I thought back on why. Well, how was I inducted into that vision? How was I inducted into that movement? And I realized they didn't come to me with facts and figures. They came to me with the story of Jesus Christ and his crucifixion. And that's what had inducted me into the idea and the philosophy behind Christianity. It was a story. It was the book, a book, a Bible. Everything in that Bible is more or less um, a parable. It's a story. And that was the power behind the entire book. And I hadn't even realized. Think about it. A lot of people out here love certain politicians. But they don't even know the policies and the logic, the facts and figures that they stand for. Because it's not the logic that appeals to people. It's the story. You know, you didn't get inducted into the opportunity that you're in because someone came to you and said all the facts and figures and it sounded good. They told you a story, maybe about somebody else that was experiencing some of the things that you wanted to experience and using this opportunity to get that. And that was the entire Thing. That's the entire idea. We we want to induct people into our vision, but here's the thing: we have an experience. We we have an experience, and it's conveyed to us through a story, and we get excited about it. And we learn so much about this new domain. We get real rational and logical, and we nerd out, and we go with our logical brains because it's the only way we know how to communicate or train to communicate, rather. And we tell people the things that we think are important facts to know. But that's not how you got inducted. You got inducted through emotion. You got inducted through a story. Ideas that we have are runoff from the feelings and emotions and the stories that we have, that we convey, or that we that we embody, rather. And so, when we can't get our vision and our idea across, it's because we're what part of the brain are we speaking to? Are we speaking to the logical brain or are we speaking to the emotion, emotional brain? Sales are created through emotion. And emotion is facilitated through story. That's what I realized. And so 
back to back to back to back to back. I tried over and over and over and after that to get webinars to work. I started learning more and more and more and more and more about the Epiphany Bridge story script. And I haven't really had much success with the webinars. But with the Epiphany Bridge story script, I started implementing that into everything. A few years flew by, uh, not from that incident, but a few months, I guess. And I started to become a freelance writer. I started implementing stories through my videos, you know, the videos that I would make you know, on every different platform. And I noticed through the use of these stories, one, the watch time of these videos that I was putting out had very, like, they, like people would watch the first 10 seconds of a video where I'm speaking, like, and teaching things. But when I told stories, you know, people would watch, like, so many different people would watch, like, 25%, 50%, or even the whole thing. The interaction with my business and the people that reached out to me to commune, to, to, to partner, to integrate, to, to be part of this movement was, was massive. Like, people started following me by the droves. 20 people, 30 people, 40 people, 50 people, 60 people. 200 people joined that page in a matter of weeks. You know, 300, I think. So that's a lot of people that joined that page. And a lot of them would recommend me and say, man, say very beautiful things about me. I started to form community around something as mundane as writing because I told the stories that knocked down the false beliefs in people's brain and gave the epiphanies and the excitement that I had. Ugh. Yeah. Um, I'm sorry, I'm going through some burping, man. But all in all, it's because I was telling and speaking to the emotional brain rather than speaking to the logical brain. You know, uh, Frank Kern said it perfectly, man. Uh, you want a Ferrari because you want to feel like James Bond when you fit in a Ferrari. And then you have a little justifications for it logically because you got to have something that you tell the world or tell yourself with words that are used in higher brain, with, with higher brain logic. It does start the other way. So are we speaking to the minds of the people that we want to induct into our movement, that we want to induct into our culture? Are we speaking to their emotions? Are we speaking to their heart? Are we telling them stories? Okay, so you're probably wondering, like, okay, and, and, you know, how does, and think about it, man. We have so much emotions for fictional characters. Fictional characters. Not logical at all, but we think we're so logical. Because movies use the same exact script, too. And so, um, what is it, you know, how is it that we use storytelling to make those situations where we're trying to impart our vision make sense? How do we make it work? You know, what, what is the story structure to break through people's minds and appeal more to the emotional, to the lower brain? Okay. Um, these are a lot of Russell Brunson's ideas, and I want to credit him for these because he's a genius, not me. I didn't think of all this stuff. Um, but he wrote a script in his book called The Epiphany Bridge Story. It's how do you lead people through story to the same epiphany that you had, you know, and have them join your opportunity Therefore. Okay, um, which by the way, I think, you know, it's easy. I think for sure, like not only do I have community to gather around some of the things that I want to gather around, but I think a lot of people are, in my personal life are able to understand me better because of the stories that I tell. I think I communicate and feel a lot more closer connection uh, and culture, you know, relation between the people around me as a result of learning the script. So it's not just for business or whatever else. But uh, I got this book in front of me, his Expert Secrets book. You can get it at expertsecrets.com. Um, I don't get paid for saying that or anything like that. But I want to read to you um, this portion about the Epiphany Bridge story. 
because I'm not going to read you. I'm just going to tell you the steps in an epiphany per story and explain it. And so the entire gist of it is this. The opportunity that you're partaking in, you were brought to that opportunity because of a story that you either experienced or that was told to you. You know, and that sold you on that different vehicle, that sold you on that movie, that sold you on that culture. You know, maybe you had went through a long day, man. You went through it. You went out on a date and the date kind of sucked and you didn't get the result that you want. And you went home and you were bummed out and you were like, man, enough, enough of this and not doing this anymore. And maybe you had in your reference experience um, a guy, you know, that was getting girls or whatever, getting guys if you're a girl or anything else in between. If you're getting guys, if you want guys, whatever. Um, maybe you had experience, you know, that idea of that person. You're like, and, you know, they've said things about how they did it. Okay. So you have the story of that person's success in your mind. So you get home from the date and you're like, man, enough. I'm bummed out. Life sucks. And I don't want to deal with this anymore. And so you go to the internet and you either, you use that person's story that you know, or you hear somebody else's story about how they have success using a method called self-help. They told you a story to bring you to the epiphany that you needed self-help. And so now you practice self-help. You learn the logical aspects of it and the techniques and um, things like that. You know, you learn the technical aspects, the technical terms, you know, the technical terms for the diet that you might be embarking on and all these different things. And when you'll go to friends and family uh, and try to explain, you know, and try to get them on board with this, you'll probably tell them all the logical benefits but it wasn't the logical benefits that got you there it was the story that led up to it your experience that led up to it. it's the epiphany bridge you know it was a story that led you to an epiphany and that's what an epiphany bridge story is how do we implant ideas or lead people to discovering ideas on their own okay and so the key to this entire thing like i said as ordained by russell brunson is people already want a result you were tired of you know being who you were, so you went to self-help. Um, but when you were tired, when you knew you had a problem, you were looking for that solution. And so the Epiphany Bridge script, it relies on you, the person telling the story that's wanting to induct people into your culture. You're, you are a living embodiment of the results that they want out of life. You have what they want. You have what they dreamed of. And that's why they will follow you. And so what you have to do is you have the Epiphany that they need and the results that they need. You have the results that they need, rather. And you have to parallel that. You reverse engineer your story to bring, you know, to, to, to parallel with what they, you know, to, to reverse engineer your story to the point where it parallels with where they are now. And so where you are, where they want to be, your starting point should be where they started out, what they're feeling right now. And so... Um, as you bring them along the journey towards that epiphany that you want to bring to them, which is the epiphany that your opportunity will bring them to the results that they want, they can follow along because you've started where they're starting right now. And they can visualize it as if they were going through that journey themselves. Okay. And so it goes like this. The um, I'm actually going, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it starts with the backstory. You know, in every movie follows this format, by the way. This is a, a script that's used all over Hollywood and all around the world, not just in marketing and inducting people into your culture. But it starts with a backstory. Um, it, it, the backstory is what I believed earlier. Like, it, it, it develops a character in their head. It develops a, and that character should relate to who they are right now. You know, 
It develops a character in your head that they can bond with, that they can understand. Okay? And then the second part of the story is you tell them about the desires that you had. Because this is aligning with the desires that they have. And if you want it what they want, they can follow along. And, um, you know, it, it, you know it, it'll, you want what they wanted and you have it now. And so they can see that, you know, your intentions from the beginning were the same and identical as theirs, rather. Okay, so you want to break down two parts of the desires, the external and the internal. What are they feeling inside? And um, also, what are, they, what, are, what are they feeling on the outside? You know, what are their emotions as well as what are their physical aches and pains? Oh, wait, no, this is desire. Yeah, so what are they feeling inside? What do they desire inside? What do they want for themselves? Is it love? Is it community? Is it is it attention? Whatever it is. And what do they want on the outside, the external? What do they want to gain? Do they want a new house? Do they want to quit their job? What, what is the physical result versus what is the internal and spiritual result, rather? Okay. And so you move from the backstory to the desires and then to the wall. Okay. So what is stopping them in their life right now? Same thing that stopped you. What is blocking them from getting what they want. Oh man, I'm sick of not getting girls, blah, blah, blah. Hey, me too. Yeah, I was sick of not getting girls once. And what was stopping me was the fact that I'm ugly or the fact that I'm, you know, what, <laughs> I'm just making things up like not ugly, but the fact that I, you know, don't have X, Y, Z. And they like, yeah, me too. I don't have X, Y, Z. So it's the wall. The next thing you proceed to um, is the epiphany. Okay. So you're going on this journey and, um, what do you what 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 is what is the epiphany that you discover? Um, what is the realization that you discovered that resulted in you going on a you taking a different path and therefore getting the result? Okay, so you're beating into this wall. What do you discover about your life that helps you circumvent that wall? Okay, so it's like this. Um, you'll see this running, and every influencer and every online expert does this all the time. Um, think about. Ty Lopez, you know, um, you know, I was living in a mobile home, 47 bucks in my bank account. Um, well, he said, here in my garage, brand new Lamborghini. I was living in my bucks, 47, living in my uh, mobile home, 47 bucks in my bank account. Uh, but what changed my life? Books, you know, just, you know, just an example. Grand Cardone, you know, I was 25 years old. I was a loser. I got beat up. I was in a drunk facility. I walked out and I discovered real estate, you know, uh, Gary Vee, I'm an immigrant, I didn't have nothing, wine library. Like the story format, the brand story that people are using to induct you in your culture, every single one of them, if you really break them down, follows this exact same format. And so think about it, it's like uh, somebody's struggling to lose weight and you're somebody that struggled to lose weight, but you managed to lose weight. Okay, so the backstory, I was struggling to lose weight and it affected me internally and externally because internally I felt a lack of confidence and a lack of love and externally I wanted a girlfriend and I didn't have that. You know, what was the wall that I was running into? Um, the wall I was running into was I was overweight and people didn't want me because I was overweight. Okay. And then you come up to the epiphany. Um, well, actually, the wall that you run into is, yeah, I wanted to lose weight. And I was using, let's say, intermittent fasting. And intermittent fasting just doesn't work. Every method I tried didn't work. That's the wall that you wanted to. It was the epiphany that you had. Okay. If I want to lose weight, I have to try something different. Uh, so the epiphany that you have is that you should use the, the keto diet instead, just for example. Okay, and then you move to the next part of the uh, story is the plan. What plan did you set in place? So, so I plan to you, you know, follow the keto diet from this date to this date, just for example. Um, so what's the plan that you created to achieve your desire? 
and uh, then this is the part of the story where it's like the end of the movie and you're fighting the final battle it's what conflict that you run into along the way um, there will always be bumps in the road no perfect plans work the entire time so you run into a, an obstacle and you have to pivot okay and um, you know that's what that's when you pivot okay you, you make you make an executive decision call an audible to get the result that you ultimately want and then at the end of the story it's the achievement and transformation um, one of the important concepts of this expert secrets book is that you know while there's emotion beneath the surface and logic, um, you know, a surface identity facilitating everything at the top, both of these, you know, identities have to feel like they're going to be satisfied at the end of the journey. And so Frank Sharon uh, explained this perfectly in a beautiful way. It's like, you know, we want a Ferrari at the forefront of our brain, at the top of our brain. We want a Ferrari because we feel like a Ferrari is a... Uh, you know, it's, you know, we, we have all these logical reasons that we want them, but beneath the surface, we have the emotional body that's like, okay, I never got loved as a child, and so Ferrari will make me feel like I have enough status and that I'm like James Bond and I'm cool and all these different things because I never fit in and all these things that we might think. Okay, and so, you know, both of these parts of your brain, they want to be satisfied. And you want to feel like an opportunity that you're, you know, people want the opportunity that you're interested in introducing them into to bring them that type of satisfaction. Okay? So, not only did I get the car, but uh, it's called the hero's two journeys. You go on two journeys in every story. Think about the Lion King, for example. Not only did Simba literally go on a journey to become the literal king, but he transformed from a scared, timid little adolescent to somebody who was literally like a man, like a king, you know? Um, think about um, just any any story. You know what I'm saying? You always have the you win the gold medal or you don't, and then you tra- you transform internally as a person, and that's what they're trying to teach you that the internal transformation is just as weighty and just as heavy. There's a motif or a lesson learned through the story, uh, besides the main journey and the main achievement that they got, the physical things that they got, and so it'll be something like this. Hmm. Well, I took the ketamine diet and I had success with it and I lost so and so amount of pounds. It was a great success. But then I realized that, you know, it wasn't my body that was holding me back along. It was just that, my, you know, you know, my self-belief or something like that, my confidence. And, you know, if I would have got those in order, everything would have been all right. People didn't love me because of who I, am, who I was. They who didn't dislike me for who I was. I mean, for what I was, they disliked me for who I was. You know, you go on two journeys. And so it satisfies that idea that not only do you want, you know, you want the, the award, but you want to feel powerful and you want to feel, you know, inside, you know, you want to feel internally satisfied, fulfilled through the journey because of who, you know, because of who you've become. You've become somebody that you want to be, more or less. Okay. And um, so that's the whole idea of how you structure the stories that you tell people. That's how you induct people into a new opportunity, into the opportunity of your culture, into your vision, into your idea. And so a lot of us might have struggled with this historically. A lot of us, like, we've gone and tried to tell the world about our visions and tried to sell the world on our visions, maybe through a business. Because the business is just a vehicle to get people into a... It's just a vehicle that, you know, that facilitates a movement. You know, so a business is just a really um, mass movement. But, you know, we try to get our mass movement, 
You try to get people into it, to adore it, to become customers, to subscribe to it, to love it, to embody it and all these things. And we're trying to get these ideas that we have out into the world. But um, for some reason, our ideas don't stick. And I feel like a lot of the reason our ideas don't stick is because we're telling we're, we're crafting or organizing our ideas and our concepts in a way that only appeals to the logical brain. It doesn't appeal to emotion. And emotion is what people are sold on. And so if emotion is what people are sold on, and a conduit to deliver emotion is through a story that's crafted into this way, um, then, uh, you know, you're going to have to tell stories. You're going to have to, t- you know, de- develop the best stories uh, in order to influence people's minds at the end of the day with stories that are what's going to appeal to the part of the brain that's going to make them pull the trigger and be part of your opportunity. Ugh. That's all I really have to say. Um, yeah, a whole mouthful. But um, in closing, I want to say this, man. Uh, if you're somebody who wants that for your life, you know, you're an entrepreneur, um, you've built a business and you're on the other side of things, but you're having trouble inducting people into the culture of your business, inducting people into your movement, having people follow your ideas, become true fans of you and your movement and everything around it. Like, you know, Russell Brunson has the funnel hackers, you know, and uh, it's not just the business. It's a movement. You know, it's it's something entirely different. You know, it's like uh, the NFL is a business, but a team, man, how many people rally and sit in them stands and cry and bleed and love these teams? You know, it's not just something that you buy and just like, okay, you know, think about Team Apple. Apple is a movement, whether you want to believe it or not. It's not just a product. You don't just buy it. Like Samsung is a product. You just buy it. But people who buy Apple, they're really adamant about being Apple users. And no matter the price and the features of any other phone, they won't be anything else because they're Apple users. They're iPhone. They're Team iPhone, as they say, because it's a movement. It's more than just a product. And so if you want to take your business, man. If you want to take your business and build a community around it, if you want to build a tribe around which it is that you already do, and you, if you want to do this in a profitable way, by the way, and you want to use that tribe and that community uh, who all follow this essential, essential idea to induct as many people as possible and change as many lives as possible, I think a good way to do that is to write a sales memoir, okay? And a sales memoir is, you know, because a lot of people, this is the thing, a lot of people think we need to run ads to a webinar, you know, in order to build a tribe and to build, you know, profitably build a business. But it's like a lot of people aren't cut out to be on camera, quite simply. A lot of people don't like that avenue. A lot of people don't like that venue. And so a separate vehicle to do that with is, like I said, I think a sales memoir. You can take the structure of a webinar, you know, a story, an epiphany bridge story and organize it into what other people would call a book, but you know it's not a book because a book is like, a you know this is like a regular memoir is the equivalent of going and telling your family everything that's on your mind and you're just like huh eh, okay, um it's like a regular letter. You know a sales memoir is structuring your ideas in a story to sell people. Same way a sales memoir is structuring your ideas in a way to sell people and do like what are you selling them on first off. Not only to sell them on your business, but to sell them on your tribe and community in a profitable way because you can sell the sales memoir. And so I think every entrepreneur, everybody should have a sales memoir. And so if you would like to have a sales memoir written so that you can profitably build a tribe and a community around you and impact the world, we do that over here at Memoir Launch. Um, I say this all the time. 
Um, think about it like this, man. People, their lives are predicted by the patterns that they embody. Okay? I say this every single day. They're, they're, their lives are predicted by the patterns that they embody. People call them habits, but habits are just patterns. Something that you, an action that you repeat over and over and over and over again. And so, an example of a pattern would be, you wake up in the morning and you do push-ups every morning. Okay? And so you do push-ups every morning and you'll probably be pretty buff and be pretty healthy. Or you wake up and you eat a healthy breakfast every morning. That's a pattern. You eat a healthy breakfast every morning, you'll probably be healthy and live a long life. Okay? That's the result that you're getting from the pattern that you're embodying. But the reason you're following that pattern is because of the story that you tell yourself. Okay? And so the story might be, okay... My mom told me, or I believe because somebody told me, that if I wake up and eat a healthy breakfast every morning, when I wake up at 60, I'll be healthy and fit and not deteriorating, and I'll live a good, healthy life, and I'll be strong, and I won't be suffering. That's the story that you tell yourself, that it's influencing that pattern that you have. And so if you want to change the world, it's about changing a bunch of people's patterns. And if you want to change a bunch of people's patterns, you have to rewrite a bunch of people's stories that they're having in your head, that they're having in their head. And the best way to do that, like I said, is writing a sales memoir because it organizes your ideas in a way that rewrites the stories that they're already believing, that they're already feeling, and changes the pattern of their life forever. And if a bunch of people's patterns are changed, a generation wakes up, embodies the different patterns, and it results in a different world. And so, literally, my mission at Memoir Launch is to change the literal world by changing a bunch of people's patterns, by injecting stories into society that aren't already there positive stories because a lot of stories you know everybody starts kind of with the story of okay i'm going to go to school i'm going to work i'm going to marry i'm die but some people have their stories overwritten by notorious drug lords or notorious gangbangers or rappers okay and i think we should probably you know rewrite the stories that rewrote their old stories you know if you got a negative storyline like somebody from my neighborhood recently uh his name is anthony he just died because he had you know uh and I'm not going to get too much into why or what he was doing, but he had a negative story in his his brain that had rewritten the story that society tried to teach him. If we could have rewritten his story with a story of ours, his pattern would have changed and his lifeline would have been different. And so that's the importance of what you do. And as many people, you know, as many people follow the story model that you put in their mind, then they have a new identity. And that identity is associated in part in any way, shape or form. It is in part associated with a movement, with a tribe and a community that will be based around your business, based around your identity, based around your life. It is your tribe, your community, and your movement, and it is a positive one. And so if you want to do that, if you want to change the world, man, and if you want help writing a sales memoir or have a sales memoir written, um, we don't exactly do it right now because we're forming, you know, uh, we, we write for some people. I'm not going to be, I'm not going to lie, but, you know, um, uh, we're still working on some of the we're we're we're, we're the, the, the company is undergoing maintenance more or less, but uh, you can join our list, and um, if you join the list, we'll tell you when we're ready to um, start taking on new people, new clients, and making and pushing out new stories into the world. Um, the list is first come first serve. Uh, if you miss the first wave, you might have to wait a while to have your story pushed out into the world and written for you, or written alongside you. But, uh, you know, 
it might not be too late. So join the list, man. Join the list and we'll send you emails about how to structure your stories and ideas every single day. And uh, if you want to join that list, you'll have to take a little quiz first just to see if you're a good fit for us and if we're a good fit for you. But if you want to join that list, if you want to get your sales memoir written and get your story pushed out to the world, go to www.memoirlaunch.com slash launch list www.memoirlaunch.com forward slash launch list. And uh, yeah, hopefully we see you on the list. I look forward to speaking to you and I look forward to pushing out your story to the world in a way that's not only profitable and gets people into your current business, but builds a tribe, a community, and a movement around that business. Um, Storytelling is so important. Storytelling is so important. And uh, you don't have to post videos all over the internet to tell your story. You don't have to publish on every platform to tell your story. Um, you don't have to build a webinar to tell your story. Think about it. You know, you know, uh, Kiyosaki from Rich Dad, Poor Dad from simply a book. You probably don't even follow his social media. Tony Robbins from a book. It all started with not just a book, a sales memoir, because they've been organizing this their stories this way and building culture around it since the beginning of time. Russell Brunson, I have his book in front of me, and I'm in this, I've been inducted into his culture through this book here, Expert Secrets and Dotcom Secrets. And so if you want a story, a sales memoir written, and have your story, like I said, pushed out to the world in a profitable way, www.memoirlaunch.com slash launch list. Uh, I really, really look forward to you know, He's actually the forward to this forward to this book, Robert Kiyosaki. I look forward to speaking to you anyway. Well, anyways, uh, more than anything, please subscribe to the podcast because it helps a lot and uh, comment um, and rate us and all that because it makes a huge, 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 huge difference. You can reach out to me on social media at, at Junie Prayer. And uh, I look forward to interacting with you. I look forward to speaking to you. And I thank you so much for listening to this podcast. This is the Grand Design Podcast. The podcast about pushing your ideas out of your head into the world in the form of mass movements. And my name is Dallas. I appreciate you for listening. I'll see you in the next one. And also, if you don't know, we do a live show every day at 9 p.m. It's called Tomorrow's Design on the Podbean app. It's a, a live show we do every day at 9 p.m. Pacific time. So if you want to listen to the live show, if you want to do some call-ins, if you want to leave, you know, it's a live chat also. If you want to chat back and forth through the chat or call in, uh, I look forward to having you. I look forward to speaking to you. Like I said, it's Dallas and it's the Grand Design. I appreciate you so much for listening. Peace out. True or false designers, ghostwriters in the modern era are completely outdated and no one should ever use a ghostwriter again. Okay, now look, I understand everyone wants to write a book because it is the most effective way to build tribe and community around your central ideas in a profitable way. I understand that. It is the best way to push your ideas out into the world in the form of mass movements. And this is throughout history. Think of the Communist Manifesto. Think of the Bible. Think of Mein Kampf. You know, every time you see an entrepreneur, ask him, how did he get started? He'll say, rich dad, poor dad. You know, he'll say, think and grow rich. The best way to induct people into your tribe is through a book. And there is no denying that. But a lot of people, they turn to ghostwriters because there is a gap between the ideas in their head and the words on paper. And that gap is filled with obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. And I understand that. These are some of the things that I've experienced. Tell me if this is familiar for you. Man, writing my first book, it was just like a soup of ideas in my head and I didn't know where to start. Is that something you've experienced? Like it's like ideas floating around and you don't really know how to structure it. 
Is that something that you've been through? Like, where do I even put this in this chapter? Da, 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 da. And then all these blogs, they make a freaking outline. No one wants to make a freaking outline. You know, I could spend that valuable time I spent making an outline actually writing the book. How about that? Another thing is time. No one has the freaking time to write a real book. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, uh, you know, you have business to take care of or a or work to go to or family or actually life to enjoy that's not sitting at a freaking laptop. You know, well, no one wants to spend 365 days of the year, the entire summer, sitting there two, three hours a day crunching in words on a freaking laptop. It's completely redundant. It's ridiculous. You know, um, that's just even daunting to think about. Three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine months to put a book together in one that you're not even sure how to publish or market yet. It's an insane amount of work for nothing. And another reason is that some people just might not be good at writing. Just simple and flat out. Is that something that you've experienced? Like, think about it. Like, sometimes writing is just freaking hard. And not everybody was born a writer. No one's born. And so, for these reasons, for these reasons, people turn to these writing coaches and these ghost writers. But, and this is coming from the position of a former ghost writer who's ghost written for people with businesses. Okay. Uh... They never really get what they're asking for. And the reason for that is this. And tell me if you've experienced this. Like, also, have you worked with a ghostwriter and they've given you something back and you're just like, eh? Well, there's like 100% of my clients probably have felt that way through our history. And the reason is because ghostwriting is like playing a game of telephone. You know, when you tell somebody a phrase and then you tell another person and you tell another person, and by the time you get back to the line, you probably played play this in high school, by the time you get to the back of you know, the last person, they say the phrase and it's something completely different. When you pass your ideas through the mind of another human being, those ideas will not come out their mind or come out their, in their writing without being tainted by their own mind. It's like telling a painter to paint your girlfriend and giving them like descriptions and things like that. Um, not really going to work out. You'll probably still accept it like, eh, this is the best we can get with the system that we're using, but it's not going to be the product that you actually asked for because it's coming through his perception. And because of that, ghostwriters are flawed. And I say this and I admit this as a ghostwriter, but I have good news for you. We're not living in the 1800s anymore where we need scribes. <laughs> you know, we don't, ghostwriters should never be used by anyone on this face of this planet after this year. You know, so I have a solution for you. This is the way that we do it at Memoir Launch. Think of your book, whatever your book might be, however big it might be. I don't care if your book is 500 pages long. That's a big, time-consuming, expensive, and complex thing. And on top of that, ghostwriters like to cost 25 grand for the subpar work they do. Okay, think about your book. 500 pages is a massive, complex thing, right? Now, I, I like to be challenging, so I believe. We can get your book done from cover to cover for way less expensive than a ghostwriter. And exactly in your voice, crystal clear, 100% satisfaction in a span of seven days or less. Now, you might be like, uh, that's kind of impossible. No, it isn't. We don't live in the 1900s anymore. We live in the future. And so how do we do that at Memoir Launch? The way we do that, just to keep it simple and not too complex, we rely on voice writing technology. We rely on you know machine learning, artificial intelligence to take that gap between the ideas in your head and actual text and shrink it. Like we like we crush it into a span of seven days. 
through new technology and methods. Let me explain to you how this process kind of works. You have these soup of ideas in your head and you don't know how to organize anything from anything. We get a little specialized team for you, maybe one or two people, and we do an interview series with you to bounce back and forth and kind of organize your ideas in a way that's actually like, uh, it reads well, one, and step two, it's actually effective. Because a lot of books, you put them out into the world and they're like, no one cares about them. It's like, you know, they're not effective because those are books. A book is like a letter. What we write for you is called a sales memoir. I'm not trying to get too complicated, so I'm gonna just completely explain this very briefly. A book is like a letter. A sales memoir is like a sales letter. Sales memoirs are the books that indoctrinate your audience and makes them join your tribe by default. Books like, like, like I said, Dot Com Secrets. You read Dot Com Secrets by Russell Brunson, you will become a funnel hacker because it's structured in that way. Most people write, read the Bible, they will become a Christian. Most people in the 1940s, they read the Communist Manifesto because of the way the ideas in the book were structured and you will become a communist. But how, it is, how is it that we structure our ideas in a way that reads well and place them in a book in a way that also indoctrinates? So that's step one. It's a small little interview series. You know, you kind of just talk about everything that you like. <laughs> you know, you, whatever you rant about on a daily basis, you just rant to us. A lot of people describe this process as therapeutic or whatever. And after we do that entire process, we take the audio and all we do no matter if your book is 200 300 400 pages long you just feed it to the ai and immediately it pops out something that does not require a bunch of freaking editing from a freaking expensive editor because these editors are ridiculously priced it doesn't require a $25,000 ghostwriter it doesn't require any of that so what happens after that well you get your manuscript first and foremost and second, that same team comes along with you in the third phase of the process. We publish the book for you, and then we begin to work on a little marketing campaign to actually get that idea in your head out into the world in a form of a mass movement, okay? Like all the thought leaders in the modern world has. How Tony Robbins has a book, how Russell Brunson has a book, how Frank Curran, everyone has a book. And it's following the same strategy and process they has they have. Now you might be thinking this is too good to be true. Uh, <laughs> you know, go see for yourself. You know, if you're interested in this process, if you're interested in being part of the memoir launch beta, and it is in beta, and because it's in beta, you're getting a very, very, very one-time extreme discount. But if you want to be part of this beta and potentially get your book done because it depends on your schedule also in seven days flat perfectly in your voice and deliver it to your house in a hard copy and published then just click the link in the bio below of any of these podcast episodes it'll be a link to like a website where you can join the waiting list and when memoir launch is ready to launch we'll start calling people on the waiting list it's first come first serve and so if you sign up late well you're going to get called pretty late um but sign up for the waiting list it'll be a link below it'll be the only link below and uh, once you sign up for the waiting list, we'll be in contact with you shortly and we'll help you launch your first sales memoir to the world. Okay, well, uh, I don't really know if I have anything else to say about that. Sounds like a cool process though, right? Well, this is uh, Dallas from Memoir Launch and I just explained to you the best way to profitably push your ideas out into the world in a form of mass movements. So like I said, if you're interested in that, click the link uh, here in the podcast notes in the description whatever you want to call it 
And man, I really, 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 uh, the business, you know, the mission of this business, there's a handicap, you know, on writers in the world. There's a huge gap between ID and text. And a lot of people are handicapped. They can't clear that gap. And it's the mission of this business to invent technology that erases that gap once and for all. So I want you to be part of this cause, man. I really look forward to speaking to you. I look forward to working with you. I look forward to like knocking this out of the park and welcoming the future with open arms. So I'm not going to go on on and on. But uh, like I said, if you're interested in being part of the beta, if you're interested in being part of the future, um, click down below. Uh, for the beta also, the entire process of marketing your book, um, designing campaigns to actually launch that thing out to the world, completely free, by the way. Completely free. And so click down in the bio below. It'll be a link down there. Uh, without further ado, you know I suck at closing things out. This is Dallas from Grand Design and from Memoir Launch. And I look forward to speaking with you and actually helping you get these ideas out, man. Peace.